So thanks again for joining me for Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition. I'm your host, Paul Sandberg, and I'm joined by Becky Caspi, the Senior Vice President of Global Operations and Director General for the Jewish Federation of North America, Israel. So Becky, would you please just share with me your brief story of your journey to becoming where you are right now? So about 25 years ago, my husband and I had just come back to Israel from the US where we went so he could pursue his doctoral studies. And it was time to find a job, but I was also volunteering in the neighborhood as he was in a number of different capacities. He was at a committee meeting and one of the other folks at the meeting said, so what do you do? So what does your wife do? Very Israeli situation. And he said, oh, well, here's what I'm doing. And my wife is actually looking for work. And this person said, well, you know what? Why don't you just drop off her resume and we'll see. And he hired me the next day. So uh, it turned out that this gentleman was Professor Jack Habib, who was at the time the director of Israel's leading applied social policy research institute, which is part of a network of organizations that enjoy significant funding from the North American Jewish community through the federation system. I had no idea what any of that meant. I didn't belong to and hadn't grown up in the frame of an organized Jewish community. I didn't know what federation was. I didn't know what our overseas partners were. So my lesson from that, that allowed me to dip my toe in water that I've ended up swimming in for the last 25 years and where I've really built my career was never underestimate the value of serendipity and always keep an open mind because what I ended up doing at this research institute was an Israeli version of a position I had been doing in New York until we returned to the country. And while that wasn't what I wanted to do long-term, it did give me a portal into a world that I ended up really loving and I think being a very good fit for. I know with the pandemic, have not had similar opportunities to go on birthright, to go back to camp. I know I usually, given the opportunity from the Federation uh, of my synagogue, to go to APAC every year, and I know I won't have that opportunity next year. So I guess for the Federation as a whole and through your job, what new challenges or opportunities has the pandemic presented? If you really look at what's at the hard kernel at the center of the work of Federations, it's ensuring flourishing Jewish life locally, nationally, and around the world. So the pandemic has given every opportunity for us to rethink what that means now in August 2020. And there are certain key elements, I think, that are essential to having a flourishing Jewish community, health, safety, um, the ability to come together, the infrastructure that supports all different forms of Jewish life. And so I think our mission has never been more relevant, but the way that we go about doing it has had to shift. So you just talked about birthright and had no birthright trips in Israel since late January, maybe early February. And we don't have any on the books for this fall. Everybody's hoping that that may be possible, but in all likelihood, it probably won't be. So on the one hand, we can't travel. And being able to come together in different places to support local communities, to be together as Jews wherever we choose or need to be, that's a key aspect of building flourishing communities. And we don't have that. On the other hand, and we're doing a lot of this in, in my part of the world, we are doing time travel and space travel. You know, you and I could be on a Zoom call and we could cover 
four continents in 30 minutes and talk to different people in a way that we would never be able to do if we were really living in the physical world. And even though we can't gather, which is both essential to all forms of Jewish life and very much to the work of federations, I actually am spending more time with more people than I have ever done before through Zoom and other virtual gatherings. So I think it's all about really tracking what the essential work is that you and your organization need to be doing, but not staying locked in to the ways you've done it before. How can you deliver that mission using the technologies, using the approaches, and constantly learning from other organizations and other people about how they're doing that well? And I think that in a strange way, COVID has been a test case for federations, which are often looked at as a legacy system and legacy organizations. And I think we've never been more relevant than we are today. And so as you've began shifting everything online, has there been a teaching moment for you that you've carried with you now for the past couple of months? It's easy to get overwhelmed by all the change and to lose yourself in the many, 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 many hours that you can spend online or just responding to emails or trying to meet urgent needs or trying to just be respectful of people who are reaching out at a time when there's a lot of loneliness and a lot of isolation. And I think the teaching moment for me has been to really remember, and it's happened, I'm not gonna cite a specific moment because it's happened on so many different occasions, to really just try to focus on what really matters. Sometimes what really matters in a given moment is taking a phone call from somebody, whether it's a family member or a work colleague, or even someone you don't know because they're just so persistent, your phone is ringing you know, every two minutes for 30 minutes. And even if you're on Zoom, you're gonna stop and you're gonna find out what is burning. So I think for me, the teaching moment is again, not to get stuck and to keep, I said it in, in earlier in our discussion, to keep an open mind because nobody can predict how this is going to continue to unfold or exactly what we're going to be called upon to do. And the only way we can really figure out how to do that to the best of our ability is to still be listening, even when we're in the midst of doing as much as we possibly can. And I know you had mentioned earlier how everyone has some serendipity and you just mentioned open-mindedness. Is there one core value that's guided you throughout your work? I know this might sound a little trite, but I really believe deeply and with my whole heart in treating everybody with respect. It's always a great value. And whether it was in New York in your previous work or in Israel, is there something you wish you had known prior to starting your career? I have two grown and one almost grown kids. And I am sometimes very amazed at how they approach the world of work and what a difference Maybe it's a generation, maybe it's just how they grew up, maybe it's just who they are, I don't know. But yeah, I think for me, I wish I had known that excellence isn't always enough. And that if you are, I'm not saying I always achieve it, but I am a person who aspires to do what I do professionally with excellence. But so often, there are other factors at play, whether those are political considerations or any number of other things. And earlier in my career, that was often a mysterious thing to me. I didn't understand why it wasn't enough. But I'd like to tell you, I wouldn't have changed for a moment anything about the way I approached when I was on target driving for excellence, because I still believe that's the right approach. But now I have a lot more peripheral vision when I'm tackling the work at hand. 
I know that my Jewish life has definitely intersected with my federation. And I know my friends across the country feel the same way. But how does the federation intersect with more Israeli affairs? So the office that I lead here in Jerusalem actually serves as, in, in many ways, as kind of an embassy for the North American Jewish community here. So in addition to things that people may think about more traditionally as the work of Federation, in good times running missions, working on programs, working with our uh, partner agencies, etc., that's all a very significant amount of work. But we also have a very meaty government relations agenda with the government of Israel at all levels, at the city level and also at the national level, where it's very, very important, particularly in turbulent times, and I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about all of the different narratives, values, and approaches to how we are in the world as a, Jew, as a global Jewish community, as a North American community, as a sovereign Israeli state. Uh, one of the most important things we can be doing at all times is really staying in touch, listening to one another. So we do a lot of high-level government relations work around issues that are of high concern to the North American community. Um, but one core aspect of how we approach that is that we're very happy to be working behind the scenes. We're not seeking to be you know, in a headline, or we're seeking to be effective. And if the best way we can do that is to sometimes shine a light on an issue from an angle that somebody hasn't seen before or thought of before, or hear from them why they're pursuing a certain course of action in a way that initially seems really puzzling, then uh, we're often able to, first of all, build and maintain trust. And sometimes we can even make some progress. So that's a lot of what we do. And if a college student or a young professional were to be moving to Israel, what would be your advice for them? My advice boils down to one word. Well, I guess it's two words. Learn Hebrew. Because while Israel is a really first world nation and a tech leader, and you can live in Israel with um, nothing but English, I think that you end up not having a fully rounded experience of Israel and Israeli life, because not everybody speaks English. And I didn't realize this until my own Hebrew became fluent and until I was really living here for a certain amount of time. But people, myself included, we're a little bit different in different languages and in different cultures. And the way we express ourselves and the ideas that come together when you're thinking about something follow different patterns and have different meaning. And, you know, I, I, I'll say about myself that if I had wanted to live among what, get, what we end up calling here Anglo-Jews, you know, the Jews from the English-speaking world and living a good life, I could never have moved to Israel. There was, but if I want to really be part of the Israeli story, then I think it's important to be able to approach everyone at eye level and maybe ear level. And so my advice would be to learn Hebrew and to be prepared to make millions of mistakes, even sometimes really embarrassing mistakes in the beginning. There's a high level of forgiveness, a great deal of appreciation for it. And if, the, if you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're never going to say a word and you're just going to miss out. Thanks again for sharing your story for Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Up Podcast. And I look forward to keeping in touch. That would be great. And thank you very much for your time.